Hello, this is Cardboard Mama. And the husband. And on this episode, we'll see you at the game table. Exploriana was designed by Miles Radcliffe with art by Richard Deering and Robin Elliott. The game was published by some combination of Chaos Publishing, Counters Out, and Triple Ace Games Limited. All three of them are on the box, and I'm not sure who's the primary, so I'm giving you all of them. Here? And was released in 2019. Exploriana is a push-your-lock exploration game, is how I would describe it. Absolutely. Well, you know, maybe not so much exploration. I think they're trying to push that it's exploration, but it feels more like push-your-lock set collection. Yeah, that's... That's fair. With an exploration theme pasted on a little bit. I never felt that it... Like, I felt that it did a decent job of carrying the theme for me. Although the whole... Each deck is a different continent, you guys, thing didn't really... I think that's the only part that kind of felt that it was exploring. Was that it was a different continent, and each deck for the different continents had... Uh, different stats of bad cards or good cards or your likelihood of whatever. And I felt that the exploration was more of the artwork on the card. Like, oh, I'm I'm collecting this rare orchid. I'm seeing this new species. So what'd you think? I know you didn't like it as much as I did. No, I didn't. The artwork was cool, but the gameplay was just kind of so-so. It was draft your position, flip a card, hope that it's something that you need, flip a card, and hope that you're not going to get screwed over by it. But I mean, how is that different than most push-your-luck games? I only say that because we generally like push-your-luck games. I don't know. This one just didn't really seem to have... The stakes didn't seem that high, and it just seemed less exciting than some of the other push-your-luck games that we've played. Even Can't Stop, which is about as simple as you can get, seems to have more drama hinging on your role. Maybe it's because you've got two different characters, so if you screw one up, then you've got the chance to... What do you mean two different characters? Because you have... You You mean mean two different workers, basically? Two different workers, yes. Okay. Um... So if you blow it with one, you can always try again with the second. And then if you blow it with the second, you're just going to feel even less pleased with your luck. But then you will be behind because you didn't get any cards that turn. Well, exactly. That's why you'd feel less pleased if you blow it. No, but you said there weren't any stakes. I don't know. It just, it didn't, it didn't bring it for me. It did not feel as tense for me as I would like. And that's a weird thing for me to be saying because normally too much tension in games is not a good thing for me. But this just, I don't know, it it didn't do it. Were you just expecting something different? Like it's really just like a laid back, flipping cards, trying to figure out stuff kind of game. Like were you expecting more tension? Maybe I was. What were your thoughts on the game? I mean, as I've kind of already said, I really liked it. Um, I thought it was cute. I like that 
what I do, like you're placing your workers out on different locations on the three different places. I think they're different continents, if I remember correctly. And depending on what I do, it can affect what you do. Because I might leave the cards out and you might only be able to take a couple. Um, I liked the different powers you could get from the people and use them. I thought there were definitely enough variations in those that I felt like I could mitigate some of what was happening. And that could be probably maybe some of your issue is that a lot of times you can manipulate what's happening. So it's not as intense like, oh, I can look at the card and see if I want to put it under or I can ignore this card. So then I won't bust. That could be it. I did really like the art. I thought the different symbols for the different uh, things that we're collecting. I just thought that there were different, a lot of different avenues for you to go. Like, I'm going to collect this, or I'm going to collect that, or I'm going to get this special trophy if I collect most of this. I thought there was enough that I didn't necessarily feel like I had to be doing exactly what you were doing. I am a little worried about staying power. Uh, I mean, especially if you don't like it, we'll probably get rid of it anyway. But I would be intrigued to try it again to see if I felt like it might be too samey on other plays. I definitely would like to play it again. Maybe I was just having a bad night. But I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was nice and cute. Rolling Ranch was designed by Jordi Adam with art by Weberson Santiago. The game was published in 2018 by Thundergriff Games. Rolling Ranch is a roll and write game. There are two dice in the game. You roll them, you take the number of one and apply it to the other one. So you have a four cow or a three pig and you can use that pig in the number three on your different score sheets. This is done separately and you are just trying to get your animals in the same sort of pen. Like, so all your cows in one pen and all your, and you have different uh, pens and they can be varied depending if you're playing front or back. One additional wrinkle to the dice is that if both faces show a heart in the corner, any pen of yours that has two or more animals will produce another animal of the same type if you've got room for it. And there are also buildings on the side. On the dice, there are also like wood and nails, and you can build buildings, and that gives you different benefits. That's pretty much the game. Yeah, doesn't take a lot of explanation. Each of you also have a card for end uh, end scoring. It's not secretive. What is it called? A hidden objective, kind of. Was it open or was it hidden? It was hidden. Okay. I'd say that would count as a hidden objective. A hidden end game objective. I thought it was fine. I think it's adorable. The cover art is amazing. I wish there was more of this art in this game. The art is so good. It makes me want to hop onto the geek and see what other games Weberson Santiago has illustrated. Because 
it just is so striking. Like, I need, like, Rolling Rant, the card game or something, so that it can just be his art all over the place. Or Rolling Ranch, the children's book. <laughs> that would be super cute. It It is very, like, children's book illustration looking. Definitely. The dice had a nice feel to them. They were weighty. Uh, you, they're custom. I liked that. Uh, not sure why the instruction book said that one of them was blue because it was a little more mint green, like a deep mint green to I me. I think you're getting blue. in the woods a little bit. I think you About are the woods. The color of the dye. Not uh, this. These are supposed to be quick hits. Love them. Um, I don't know. I think it's fine. It's an average roll and write. Maybe a little above average. Would it have made my recent top five rolling rights? No, it would not. It wouldn't be in my top five, but I do think that it's a keeper. I think that it's fantastic for a just quick sit down, play this game, kind of a nightcap sort of game. Will it replace our favorites? No. But I see no reason to add it to the shelf of Reckoning or send it on its merry way to its next owner yet. So Rolling Ranch sticking around for now. Rolling Ranch was fun when we would roll the dice and I got the chicken exactly where I needed to put him. And then husband would roll and then we'd get the hearts and then my chickens mated and then I got a new chicken. My favorite part is when my animals would mate and then my board would get more full. I got a little jealous every time that happened because it took me a very long time with the strategy that I had to get more than one animal of each type in my pens. Uh, so I was just like, oh man, am I doing the right thing? But I think you can't really run away with it that much with it because mine did that and then that it was full. So then you got to do it and I couldn't. Yeah, it, it did end up balancing, it's balancing itself out a lot. I can see a lot of different strategies for playing the game. I kind of flooded the board with pigs because they scored more points. But with any roll and ride, you're at the mercy of the dice. If the rolls wouldn't have gone my way, I would have been absolutely hosed. Just like I really want to do cows, but there aren't actually that many cows. So they never came up for me. And I wasn't able to play them. One thing that I thought was really cool that I wasn't aware of until Cardboard Mama pointed it out to me before we were before we started this recording is that the backs of the score sheet have five different designs. So you've got a little more variation. The fronts appear to be the same, but that way it, you can mix it up a little bit more. Tanari is designed by Alex Randolph and Bruno Fiduti, with artwork by Quanchai Moria. It was published by IDW Games in 2019. Tanari is a abstract game, I would call it. Yes, the theme is you are collectively fishing. There is a board of tiles round tiles and there's a communal boat and you take turns moving the boat and picking up the fish tile there's set collection 
Some of the fish have special abilities, or there's like trash fish that you don't want. And that's basically the game. It's very simple. Very abstract. Um, yeah, it's just moving the boat around together. I think that is the most interesting part, probably, is that I move the boat, then it's your turn to move the boat. It's basically like a communal... That's my fish. You don't have your own characters to move around. Just imagine it being one penguin. Yeah, I felt the same way. I really like the mechanism of all of us move the same marker around because it leads to some interesting choices. How much is this particular fish worth to me? Because then it's going to set Cardboard Mama up to get a fish that will benefit her greatly. If I take this fish that's less beneficial, then she has to take a trash fish. And that's the thing. You do have to think a couple moves ahead. Like, if I move this here, then he has to move that here. Or if I move this here, then he has these options. But what does that give me later? I did think that I don't necessarily always think ahead that well in games. Because I play by the seat of my pants more like. So I definitely got myself into some situations of, like, oh, crap. I didn't think about that. And now I have to take this fish. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really nice. It's really fast. Um, so if you do mess up like that, it's not the end of the world because you can just set it up and play again, which we did. It is definitely one of those games you get done and you want to play it again. Yeah, it's got great production values. I love the artwork. It is just thinky enough for me, uh, especially if you like abstracts. You're going to really like this game. If you like light abstracts, I feel like, because I generally don't like abstracts, but I really liked this game. I think if you like um, Santorini, That's My Fish, you know, that kind of level of abstract. The only thing that I didn't love about the game was that it's possible for your opponent to put you in a position where the piece that you take is going to end the game prematurely. You might have a master plan set out and they might just be like, you know what, I think I've got enough points to win, so I'm going to move it, the boat in such a way that you've got to take the very last fish and there's nowhere else for you to go. And you just have to deal with it. I mean, I think I didn't like that either because I'm more of a completionist. Like, we need to get all the fish. And so I think I would, we would generally play to try to get all the board done, not to corner each other like that. But it's a high possibility. That is the one thing that I wasn't the biggest fan of. But if you do like light abstract games, definitely check this one out. Trapper Keeper was designed by that group that never met an IP that they weren't willing to tackle, Prospero Hall. It was published in 2019 by Big G Creative. Trapper Keeper, I'm just going to start with the production. The game comes in a tiny little Trapper Keeper. It has tiny little Trapper Keeper folders for you to tuck cards into. They killed it with the production of the game. They even made different Trapper Keepers 
that had the same game inside. Yeah, you could get like space or a unicorn. It was super cute. I think Prospero Hall is just really great at figuring out how to sell a game just with the components. I mean, it looks like a Trapper Keeper. It caught my eye. It, I mean, they their whole thing hinges on nostalgia. It's true. The good news is there's a good game inside of this little Trapper Keeper. The husband definitely liked it more than I did. I thought it was a okay game. In Trapper Keeper, you are collecting sets of cards. You've got detention notices, homework, quizzes, field trip, uh, authorization forms, report cards, and signature cards. And you collect these different sets of cards that score in different ways. Some of them you get the number of points stated on the card. Some of them you get a number of points based on how many you have. Like the detention notices, you get points based on how many you have. But if you've got more than anyone else, you score nothing. Because as the manual says, it's cool to be edgy, but don't be a burnout. And on all of these cards, you've got different symbols. There's the S that practically everyone, except for me apparently, drew on their uh, paper or tic-tac-toe or cubes or hearts, just little doodles. And you've got red doodles and blue doodles. And based on where you put the cards inside of your tiny little trapper keeper folder, that's how those doodles are going to score. So I found that very interesting that not only are you collecting the set of the card itself, but also, for lack of a better way of kind of imagining it, the suit of the card. It's just, it's a solid little game. It's not going to be an SDJ winner. It's not going to be the world's most compelling thing, but it was fun to sit down with. Divorced of the theme, I think it was still good. But the theme is what really took it over the top for me. I mean, it's just a simple set collection game. I found the most interesting part was getting them and putting them in the little folders, that sort of thing. Uh, because it was just plain set collection and then tedious scoring in the end. No, well, I guess it's tedious because uh, you do have to count a lot of, a lot of little symbols. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, going back to production quality even the score sheet is a tiny standardized like bubble and test so funny and so if you love trapper keepers in school in the 90s i think this is one to pick up i mean and even if you didn't i still think that if you can find it on sale it's a cheap fun game you think if someone has no love for Trapper Keepers or would even know what that S is or anything like that, that they would still enjoy the game? I think that they would. I think that there's a good game underneath all of the trappings. Hmm. Okay, that pun was not intended. This is Cardboard Mama. Thanks for joining me at the game table. Catch new episodes every Sunday. Have feedback or just want to say hi? Come find me on Board Game Geek at KittyPaws9 and on Instagram at BoardGameDame. Thanks for listening. Takes all that I have.